0: Primetime on Money FM 89.3. Over the past year, we have seen ransomware attacks rising dramatically in prevalence and impact here in Singapore and even globally. And according to the new Ensign InfoSecurity Cyber Threat Landscape 2022 report, there is a 133%. Wow, 133% increase in Singapore-based companies being mentioned on ransomware leaks
1: Now, the report found that the financial sector is the top target for ransomware attacks in Singapore, followed by the maritime and aviation industries. Threat actors are also forming partnerships to share their expertise. And of course, this is raising their chances of success and fueling the evolution of ransomware. So
0: as organizations become more exposed to the risk of ransomware and face increasingly severe repercussions, the pressure to give in and pay the ransom can become bigger for some companies. Let's find out more about this because Xiang Zeng, the head of advisory at Ensign Info Security, is joining us on the phone lines right now. To find out more, Mr. Tio, why is ransomware one of the most catastrophic cyber incidents for organizations today?
2: Good afternoon and thank you for having me. Um, with regards to the question, I think uh, what we are seeing, as you've already mentioned, is the deliberate organization of these threat actors. Uh, All of them are specialists in their particular field. We have uh, broken them down into um, five key operators. We have the ransomware as a service operator that really maintains the platform. We have the ransomware operator that carries out the attack. Um, We have the malware exploit developer that actually develops the malicious code and um, exploits these vulnerabilities. We have initial access uh, brokers, botnet operators that um, basically run the reconnaissance and identifies the targets. Uh, And we have the bulletproof host that uh, basically runs the platform as well as to host all the exfiltrated information. Um, When we look at that, um, ransomware has basically become more and more successful with their cyber attack Uh, and... This is mainly due to uh, increasing amounts of uh, payments that they have received that lead them towards this uh, level of organisation and capability development. Um, We have also seen mature practices developing, um, and that really helps them in terms of building resilient operations uh, regardless of disbanding and reorganisation. And that's despite the fact that there are several counter-actions Uh, That was successful by law enforcement.
1: Now, here's the thing. Several reports have said that organisations in Singapore are among the most targeted in the world. Why so, you think?
2: Uh, I think you highlighted uh, in our report that uh, banking and finance, as well as the maritime and aviation sectors, uh, are the most targeted uh, sectors that we see in Singapore. Um, and one of the key reasons for banking and finance is really that's where the money is. When we look towards maritime and aviation, we need to think about uh, Singapore's uh, position in the global uh, supply chain. Uh, we are a regional transport and logistic hub, if not a global one, and they are these threat actors are basically going for the pain that will be caused when the supply chain is uh, disrupted. So so that's where we are seeing uh, some of the most important reasons why actors are targeting Singapore companies in these few sectors.
0: Okay, Mr. Teo, this is the most important question. What should an organization do so that we don't fall victim to ransomware attacks?
2: I think uh, as an executive advisor to leaders and executives of companies, um, I, I typically recommend that the organization should bolster their readiness uh, in their ability to respond and recover to ransomware attacks. Um, these really includes reviewing their disaster recovery and business continuity plans, and to consider alternative modes of business. This is despite the fact that most businesses are digital in nature today. We are also advising that uh, organisations should conduct regular whole-of-organisation simulation exercises, such as tabletop exercises and war games, to strengthen and validate the confidence in response and recovery and to discover areas for improvement. As a proactive and protective measure, organizations can also adopt zero-trust architecture principles across the uh, IT and operational technology environments, work on leveraging AI-powered predictive cyber analytics, as well as behavioral-based uh, detection models to be able to detect and stop advanced attacks before they uh, happen. And I think that's a quick summary of the Uh, acronyms I will just put forward is uh, be aware and prepare. In terms of awareness, really work towards uh, leveraging cyber threat intelligence for early warning indicator opportunities, Um, leverage monitoring to understand your current state of affairs and develop plans and exercise to build confidence in the organisation, especially towards response and recovery.
1: Studies do show here, though, that businesses tend to prioritise recovery rather than prevention. Mm. How do you think they can be encouraged to do the work that helps them in that area of prevention instead, or at the same time, I should say?
2: So, so um, we are now as an industry advocating towards uh, uh, assumed bridge position, which basically means that uh, organisations should take the mindset that uh, they are already in some level exposed or compromised. And that's where there is that emphasis towards response and recovery to be able to manage some of the uh, impact that the business can face. In terms of preventive measures, I think we have always seen uh, advocacy towards uh, what we call defence in depth, adding multiple layers of defences to try and uh, restrict and limit the ability of access for the adversary. Um, But I think response and recovery is the area that really brings an organization back to normalcy. And that's where I think um, something that Ensign advocates very much, which is in simulation exercises, we work with the leaders and executives of organizations to help them understand whether their incident to crisis management practices are adequate, uh, whether they have the right organization uh, structure as well as capacity and whether the organisation has relevant uh, confidence levels to be able to address such disruptions and uh, impact to business.
1: What would you say to organisations who actually are prepared to pay the ransom in such a situation? I have heard reports of organisations setting up crypto wallets in anticipation mm. of paying off ransomware attacks. And really, this smacks <laughs> of throwing your hands up in the air and giving up, right, plus giving mm. in to the criminals and paying the ransom, mm. doesn't really guarantee the ret- of your stolen data, does it?
2: Yeah, I think Bharati, you got the key points across. Uh, but I will say that it's not a clear cut decision. There are actually no default responses to a ransom. Um, but I would highlight some significant considerations that organizations need to make. Uh, first and foremost, uh, there is the counterterrorism financing laws that exist, which have global implications and penalties if a threat group is associated with or supporting a sanctioned terrorist organization or persons. And uh, you as a victim happen to finance this particular organization. The second question that uh, organization needs to consider is uh, how does the cost of ransom compare against the loss of business? Um, As you highlighted, there are some conversations I have with my clients that say, you know, should I repair uh, cryptocurrencies, Mm. uh, just hedging it? But the key thing is many organizations actually don't understand cryptocurrency, how to go about acquiring it and make an exchange because it's just a different way uh, of uh, monetary exchange.
1: But should you even be paying the ransom?
2: So so I think, there's, like I mentioned, there's no clear answer if I can finish my two other considerations. Uh, one is that uh, the complexity of the technology environment um, does not necessarily support easy recovery when entering a decryption key. So what we know from uh, public surveys that have been performed, um, we see anywhere between eight percent and twenty-nine percent of victims who actually paid for the decryption key but uh, were successful uh, in the recovery. So, so in that sense, you have anywhere between seventy percent to eighty percent, sorry, seventy to ninety percent of uh, these organizations uh, as victims that paid and cannot recover their uh, data. So so there is no guarantee over there. And uh, we just need to recognize that uh, digital businesses have very complex technology Mm -hmm. environments that doesn't really support easy recovery just by entering a key. Uh, The last point that I will just make is whether there is a life or death dilemma uh, Mm -hmm. in the nature of the business. Um, As we know, many victims that actually make payment uh, happen to be healthcare Uh, related. Yeah. Uh, And that's really because they are pushed against the wall where they have to make a decision between life or death. And so that's um, something to really deeply consider.
1: If there is no life or death question and you are being held to ransom, what should you do in that case? It's already happened. You can't prevent it at that point. Like I
2: mentioned earlier, I think what an organisation can do within themselves Mm. uh, is to really review and revise their disaster recovery plans, their business continuity plans, and actually go through the simulation exercises to understand whether are they familiar with those processes? Uh, do they feel confident enough to be able to carry them out when the the bad matters happen or the accident uh, incident happens? Um, the other aspect really is to consider building a panel of experts, for example, uh, sign uh, as a cybersecurity services provider, um, to be able to support them in incident response. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a vendor like that could basically support in the triage and investigation of the impact of the incident uh, and really follow through the support of the organization in terms of what we call containment uh, and recovery. Uh, to be able to bring the business activities back to normalcy.
0: Mr. Teo, why are they so good though? Why are they always... Ahead of well, agencies like yours?
2: I, I think um, it's not necessarily a matter of who is ahead of the other. Uh, we need to understand the difference in positions that the defender versus the adversary actually has. The adversary really just needs to find one loophole to be able to enter, and you kind of
0: can we do like a Bush doctrine and do a preemptive strike <laughs> so that you know there's no <laughs> adversary?
2: I, I think uh, uh, as individual organizations, that kind of uh, decision is not something that well self-resourced for them to carry out. Well, uh, I think it is for is the defense more companies, to, oriented, I mean, for,
0: for cyber defense companies to do this, right, to offer this kind of solution. Mm.
2: Uh, I, I think uh, once it goes cross territorial uh, and uh, there is a geopolitical mm. angle mm. towards it, okay. uh, it's more angled towards uh, nations and their governments to be able to make such decisions. Um, individual organizations have been Known uh, if they support such activities to go into sanction this or go through uh, difficult business uh, operations. Um, so I, I would say that uh, such decisions or actions are reserved for nations uh, and their governments to be mm. recalled.
1: Preemptive strikes don't always work, and I think we've seen evidence of that as well in our history. But mm. ultimately, experts have said that these individuals, the ransomware. Attackers often operate in countries with no extradition treaty, and this allows them to really operate with impunity. To what extent do you think something could be done in that arena to ensure that there are laws and protocols in place that could act as a real deterrent?
2: Mm, I think if we just bring to what uh, regular businesses can actually do um, is to consider whether. Uh, ransom payments is actually part of your strategy or decision matrix. Um, I, I will say that uh, unfortunately, if we recall, there was a general insurer that made a decision um, not to fund ransom payments for their subscribers. Uh, and then, subsequently, in a couple of weeks, they were uh, suffering another attack, a ransomware attack uh, from such perpetrators. Um, so, it's not a very clear cut uh, angle towards uh, whether you should do something or otherwise. But I think uh, stopping the supply chain, uh, and that's where the cryptocurrencies uh, and the ransomware payments do some part. The only problem is that uh, as an individual business, you are just thinking for yourself. um, The ecosystem effects really need a larger consensus and effort uh, to be able to lead to a meaningful outcome and impact.
0: All right, thank you very much. I'm Mr. Tio Xiang Zheng, Head of Advisory at Ensign Info Security, joining us here on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.